Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is an apostrophe podcast production. There is one little question that has no simple answer. How does being alone bring us closer? My name is Peg Fong. I'm a journalist and an educator. Come join me as we explore loneliness together. Hey, want to hear something nice? Jimmy Stewart got a letter from Margaret Sullivan. She wrote, quote, My heart was trembling as I walked into the post office, and there you were. Modern Girl wishes to correspond on cultural subjects anonymously and with intelligence with an empathetic young man. Address letters to Dear Friend, Post Office 13, Mailbox 237. End quote. This is how it all began. You take a letter out of an envelope and suddenly... It's really personal. It's just a really personal experience that you're not going to get any other way. It's so exciting getting into work and having piles of letters. This is going to sound funny to use this word, but it makes you feel like the person is right there and that you're actually talking to them while you're writing. And I feel closer to that person than if I would on a telephone because I can get through from my heart. Deanna Klaus can still remember the first letter she ever received more than 60 years ago. It was from her grandmother, who lived two hours away. And she can remember the first letter she ever wrote 
when she was barely old enough to put pen to paper at three years old. It was a letter to Dear Aunt Pearl. Whenever a letter arrived, Deanna remembers the household stopped. Her mother would read the letter out loud to everyone, and they would discuss each letter for days, and then write back. Then Deanna got older, and she stopped writing letters. Life got busy. There were other things to do. She didn't start up again until recently. My roommate, I was telling him, because I'm lonely. And, you know, I'm 64, and I don't have a lot of friends down here in Alabama. You know, I'm from Ohio. And I was telling Matt, I said, I'm so lonely. He said, well, find somebody to write to them. So that's what I did. (laughs) Deanna went to the website, writeaprisoner.com, and connected with Lewis, who is serving time for robbing three banks. She writes a letter every day now, every single day, to Lewis. She's not the only one who has been writing letters. TikTokers have also discovered the website writerprisoner.com, with that hashtag getting more than 65 million views since the pandemic started. Influential TikTokers like Sean, a film student, are using it as a way to connect. Sean began corresponding with a prisoner named Doug. They became pen pals and a genuine friendship developed. The videos Sean made of their contact, which he posted on TikTok, has received more than 23 million views. Founder Adam Lowell started the website writeaprisoner.com 20 years ago, and it's grown every year. TikToker's use of writeaprisoner.com resulted in a 200 to 300% spike in traffic to the site. 2020 had already seen unprecedented increases in exchanges between letter writers inside and outside of prison, Adam says. He believes it's because there's so much isolation caused by the pandemic and growing attention to people who have been left on their own. The act of putting thoughts and feelings into words is a commitment, often driven from a place of loneliness and the longing to make a direct connection between the weight that is in our heart and in our mind and having it come through our hands and then onto something permanent, pen or pencil to paper. We sign our names and commit to a contract. We sign petitions as a commitment to a belief. We know what happened in the past, but a letter is a deliberate attempt to make sense of our present at that moment. And it is an act of faith that the person who reads the letter will understand what we want them to know. And we can dispel some of the loneliness we had when we started writing. But there are no guarantees. Looking back through the lens of history, we'll know one day how the pandemic ends. But for now, we have no clue. And that is something letters give us. In the lack of knowledge that comes through hindsight, something real for that moment is preserved. People tend to put their thoughts down on paper and maybe things that they wouldn't voice out loud. And those can remain. Those are very historically significant. That's Christopher Gordon the archivist at the Missouri Historical Society. 
There are letters reaching back hundreds of years that provide us with insight into who individuals are and what they believed and whether that's something that was some kind of political thought or whether it was an expression of love. The society has letters dating back to the 1400s and 1500s, letters carried by individuals who brought them over from Europe to the United States, a reminder of the connection they once had, a ward against the loneliness to come from being in a new, strange place. Since 1866, the Historical Society has been collecting correspondence. Like other museums and archival places and libraries around the world, the Historical Society is putting out a call for people to record their thoughts and feelings about what's happening with the pandemic. To write about what's happening now will have value to the future. Christopher Gordon wrote a book about the cholera epidemic in the 19th century based on written accounts. The fears that people had about what they were witnessing at that time and what they saw and heard from others. Those accounts are lost when we don't write letters. In attempting to put down words about our fears, our loneliness, something is captured that isn't there in news reports or in conversations. Sure, you can pick up a newspaper or you can you can watch video and things like that, but that's, that's only going to give you a very small portion of the story or only a very limited understanding of what people were going through. So we, we lose that all the time because people aren't writing letters anymore on a day-to-day basis. Of all the great things technology has given us, one of the worst might be its impermanence. We don't archive our emails or our texts. They get deleted or they just go away after a while. Here's a letter read by Christopher Gordon from October the 8th, 1918, just as the epidemic then was starting to kick into high gear. It's from an attorney in St. Louis, Missouri, to his son in Washington, D.C. Dear Rayburn, your mother has been very uneasy about you on account of the Spanish influenza epidemic. Please let her hear from you and Elizabeth about every day until the epidemic is over. Your uncle Lorimer advises to take three-grain capsule of quinine each night before retiring and to wash the nose inside and out with alcohol twice a day as an almost sure prevention. In an attempt to get lonely seniors to connect, geriatric researcher Marin Gott at the University of Auckland in New Zealand asked them to write about their experiences during this current pandemic. What older people told us was they don't really want to be the recipients of other people's charity. Um, that doesn't make them feel more connected necessarily. It's actually about. She's since received hundreds of letters from writers telling her about this experience and their memories of past lockdowns and epidemics. People are reflecting on the fact this isn't the first time they've been in lockdown. And that's really interesting. And talking about their experiences during the Second World War and actually feeling like they're pretty resilient because they've been through things like this before and they know what to do. Throughout almost all of history, letters were not only the chief means of communication, 
it was also the only means of written connection. Throughout the millions of letters in the Missouri Historical Society's archives, the common thread is always that people write letters so they can connect with others, says Christopher Gordon. Letters are links between the writer and the reader. Words connect a lonely husband to his wife, as discovered in this letter written in 1918 and read by Christopher Gordon. My dear honey, it is now uh, 11 a.m. Stayed in this morning, but am dressed for drill this afternoon. We took four more men out of here last night. All have influenza, as we are now in quarantine. That letter sums up all the writer knows at that moment as he writes from his camp base in Kansas. It was early spring, 1918, when he sent that letter. The war was still going on. People around this soldier were becoming sick. Four of them were removed the evening before. Did they die? What were they infected with? The letter writer calls it influenza. But when we hear the letter and we know the date and the location, we know something the letter writer didn't at that time. Letters can tell us a lot, and for many people it begins out of loneliness. But letters outside of loneliness can also tell about small events that have, in historical hindsight, huge significance. The soldier told his wife he missed her as he wrote his letter from Camp Funston, which is now a base called Fort Riley in Kansas. But back then, 300 miles west of Camp Funston, is Haskell County, Kansas, a place described in 1918 as a sparsely populated region of 1,720 people spread over 578 square miles. John M. Berry, the author and academic, described Haskell County as a place where, quote, the smell of manure meant civilization. People raised grains, poultry, cattle, and hogs. Sod houses were so common that even one of the county's few post offices was located in a dug-out sod home, end quote. It is the place where the pandemic of 1918 began. That's according to John M. Barry's paper published in the Journal of Translational Medicine. In February of 1918, it appeared as if everyone in Haskell County was ill. John Barry's paper noted that in one issue of the local newspaper, the Santa Fe Monitor, it was reported Eva Van Alstein was sick with pneumonia. Her little son, Roy, was now able to get up. Ralph Lindemann is still quite sick. Goldie Wogenhagen was working at the Beeman store because her sister, Eva, was sick. Pete Hesser's children are recovering. Ralph McConnell has been quite sick this week. All these incidents were reported in the February 14th edition. It is possible to trace with perfect definiteness as John Barry describes, the root of the virus from Haskell to the outside world. 
Every Army personnel from the county reported to Camp Funston for training. Family and friends visited. Lonely soldiers went home on leave and returned to Funston after their furlough. All these people were exposed to influenza and arrived at the camp between February the 26th and March the 2nd. On March the 4th, the first soldier was reported ill with influenza. Three weeks later, 1,100 of the 56,000 troops there were sick enough to require hospitalization. Others who weren't hospitalized moved from the camp to the outside world, especially to other army bases and France. The soldier in Camp Funston didn't know this when he wrote to his wife, says historian Christopher Gordon, who has the letter in the archives at the Historical Society of Missouri. People had no understanding of really true understanding what influenza was, and they simply thought that this was a, something that was going to pass very quickly and everything would be back to normal. So it, it's an interesting little letter from what we would consider now a hot spot. Many of the seniors who are writing to New Zealand researcher Professor Marin Gott are also remembering past lockdowns or epidemics that they experienced, making connections from their present circumstances to their past. Letter writing seemed like a really good method to use because people can do it in their own time. People of that generation are quite used to writing letters. Those memories from lonely letter writers are casting them back even further, Professor Gott says. In writing letters, they're remembering not just their own stories about past lockdowns and quarantines, but also the memories from stories they heard from their parents who lived through the pandemic of 1918. Letter writing, although going through a revival now, has been forgotten about in the last two generations. But at one point, even just a few decades ago, it was the only way for people to connect. And then, through other mediums, those who were apart could find each other in different time zones over sound waves. And we'll be right back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Over his long career, radio announcer Casey Kasem read out loud 4,000 letters for his segment, Long Distance Dedication, on his show, American Top 40. In each episode, Casey Kasem read out a letter from a listener sending out a long-distance dedication to someone else in hopes they were also listening. He would play a song that would connect the sendee of the letter to the person out there, the listener the receiver of the message. The first letter Casey read out was in August 1978, and it was from James to Desiree, who had recently moved with her military family from the U.S. to Germany. Quote, Maybe my Desiree in Germany will hear it and know it's her, James wrote, which Casey Kasem read out loud to millions of listeners. For some who remember the show, you may even recall by memory the address to send in a letter. 8040 Long Distance Dedication, P.O. Box 8170, Universal City, California. The Long Distance Dedication feature evolved from a spoken word 45 single that Casey Kasem recorded back in 1964. Letter from Elena was about a girl who wrote to Casey Kasem about her encounter with the Beatles and her attempt to hug George. In the letter, Elena wrote to Casey to describe that moment that she would remember for the rest of her life. Elena was so excited about what happened, she wanted to share it with someone, and she picked one of the most famous disc jockeys in the world at the time. And when Casey received the letter, he said he wanted to share it with his listeners. It starts right away, luring the listener in and goes straight to the point. Dear Casey, if you're wondering what it is I'm writing about, I'll tell you. I hugged my favorite Beatle, George Harrison. Elena had gone to a concert and then tracked down George, scaling a fence to reach him, by figuring out where the limousines were parked outside the Cow Palace in San Francisco. I looked up and saw George and Paul walking together behind them, Ringo and John. George and Paul were talking with a couple of guards and laughing. They didn't see me. Before I knew what was happening, I was running to George. I caught him and I hugged him. He smiled and he said, Hi, bird. Elena clung to George hard and had tears running down her cheeks, she described in the letter. Then the guards pulled her away. Casey released a recording of the letter he read as a single, 
with the Beatles and I Love Her playing in the background. It's the only time the DJ made the charts. It reached number 103 on the Billboard Singles Chart. Six years later, long-distance dedication began on American Top 40. In the 1940 movie, The Shop Around the Corner, Jimmy Stewart is the manager of a store, and Margaret Sullivan plays the character of a clerk who walks in looking for a job. Neither of them know that they've met before, in letters. They're both lonely. She wants to have intellectual exchanges with an empathetic man. He realizes that at some point, everyone gets tired of going to cafes and dance halls. And at that point, you'll realize you want to improve yourself, whether it's studying art or how people live in Brazil. Corresponding in letters is how those who are lonely commit themselves to words. For Deanna Klaus, in her new home in Alabama, after moving there from Ohio, she met someone through letters, and in the process, they have both been changed. He had not had anybody write to him in almost 15 years. So this was a big step for him to have a pen pal. And he wasn't real sure about it because he was used to being alone a lot. He His cell was, you know, he didn't have a roommate and he was alone. And I think that it changed him. It made him a nicer person, a more open person. In the shop around the corner, the characters that Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan play in the movie actually don't like each other. But in their letter correspondence, a connection is made that is more complete and satisfying for the both of them than the reality of their lives. Through letters sent to post office boxes, they only know each other through words, not deeds. By the words they write to send off, the receiver reads and forms an image. It doesn't matter what the reality is because there is no intention to ever meet up. Deanna will likely never meet Lewis, her pen pal. He will be in jail for the rest of his life. But to her, it doesn't matter. She feels closer to him on an emotional and intellectual level than she does with people she sees every day. Over the last eight months of writing to him, she feels more connected than to some people she's known for years. I can take my own time on reading the letters. And, you know, if you're a reader, if you read a lot of books or you read, then you can read between the lines and actually know how that person feels while they're writing that. To Deanna Klaus, the simple act of writing letters connected her to a stranger who is alone in the world. And when she reads the letter she receives back, she adds in her world. And somehow, between these two, a new world of just them has been created. For Marin Gott, the University of New Zealand gerontologist, trying to reach lonely seniors during a time of pandemic, she learned that asking for letters can give writers something back they may have forgotten. But their memories, once committed to paper, are a contribution that can be made through writing that is uniquely theirs alone. It's actually about identifying ways that older people can contribute back into their communities, and there are lots of different ways they can do that. 
and they have lots of skills and talent and knowledge and experiences. Letters written from your own past is something many people like archivist Christopher Gordon have rediscovered during the pandemic. Everyone is organizing their closets, their attic space, and finding letters they wrote and letters they received. He just found some that he wrote to friends back home in Missouri when he was in high school and spending the summer at his grandparents' place in New York State. Obviously, we had phones, but of course, by letters was fun. They would sit down and write back to me, and, and I would sit down and spend half an hour or whatever writing back and forth. It wasn't just that personal experience sharing thoughts and things. It was just a fun experience. If there weren't letters, dear honey, the wife at home waiting for her husband who was at Camp Funston in Kansas, wouldn't know about the quarantine that he had to be in because four other men were ill with influenza. The link that letter writer made unknowingly in a few words to what we know now was the beginning of the mass spread of the 1918 outbreak. Those words connect the past to the writer's present to our future understanding. We know things end like a pandemic, like the end of a letter. But even endings can become something new. Like the ending that happened when a young couple, James in Alabama and Desiree in Germany, were split apart by distance. James' lonely letter to a radio announcer was the start of something new when it was read over the radio. For those feeling alone, there is a way to connect, even over long distances, if there is dedication. You can express your loneliness in words, and someone will read it. Dear friend, dear Casey, in letters, we can keep our feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars, because even though we may be alone, we are alone together. Alone Together was directed by Callie O'Reilly. Theme music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. Our sound engineer is Jeff Devine. Producers, Debbie O'Reilly and Guillermo Serrano. The writer and host is me, sincerely yours, Peg Fong. Let's be pen pals. Write to me at apostrophe pod. I'll write back. This series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.